0: Hello, Divers. Coming to you from Studio D, this is the Deep Dive Microcast, a brief look into things I find interesting, and I hope you do too. I'm Tom Feeney, raconteur, pie-eating contest judge, and writer for Wings Chop Movie Magazine. This is a companion series of the Deep Dive podcast where myself and my co-host, Manda, look at some of the more interesting offerings available on streaming media services. This edition of the Deep Dive Microcast looks into the history of the granddaddy of all streaming services, Netflix. Let us turn back the clock away's back to a more innocent time, a time when ordinary folks like you and me wanted to actually own movies, TV shows, and even music, before we all gave up ownership for convenience, all the way back to the early 1990s. This was a time before the internet invaded homes. Cable TV was still expanding its number of channels, and the video cassette was the format of choice for most movie watchers. Now, there was another intriguing option that was beginning to emerge. VOD, or Video On Demand. Until the early 90s, the technology simply didn't exist that could allow people to rent a movie from their television sets and watch it whenever they chose. Technology companies, cable companies, and telephone companies, you remember those, were all working towards making video-on-demand a reality. In many ways, it was the holy grail for media outlets. For viewers, the possibility of watching whatever you want, whenever you want, seemed like magic. What kind of rooms you got? King size. You got room service? Donuts and coffee. Got entertainment. All rooms have every movie ever made in every language, anytime, day or night. How was that possible? Could your business use the bandwidth to change everything? Ride the light. Quest. Even though the technology behind video on demand got better and better as the decade wore on. Most people still went to their local Blockbuster Video to rent their movies. Now, just as video on demand was getting a better foothold on the market, another player was introduced to the game. At the end of 1996, a new video format would begin taking over US households. The Digital Versatile Disc, or DVD, combined the best of the video cassette format, ease of use, and, and portability with the best of the Laserdisc format, video and sound quality, and of course, special features. Video stores embraced DVDs almost immediately. They were more durable than videotape, took up less space on shelves, and most importantly, no rewinding. So you've heard about DVD. Have you seen DVD? Well, this is DVD. It looks just like a CD, but it holds much more information, and it's redefining home entertainment. The world is turning to DVD for a better way to watch movies and concert videos. DVD isn't just better than a VCR, it's amazingly better. DVD gives you a digital picture, twice as sharp as a VCR. The image is cleaner, the colors are brighter. Now movies look the way they were meant to look. And the sound will blow you away. DVDs almost instantly killed the laser disc format and hastened the ultimate demise of pre-recorded VHS tapes. The introduction and fast adoption of the DVD format was the first step in the genesis of Netflix. The second was the internet. In the early days of the World Wide Web, the vast majority Of content was text-based With limited, low-resolution Graphics Computers were still using monitors Based on old television cathode Ray tubes now, The creation of the first web Browsers promised an Easier way to navigate the web That, plus Services like America Online and Prodigy led to an incredibly rapid expansion of this new kind of media. It would take a few more years before streaming audio and eventually video would be possible. In early 1994, a former Microsoft executive named Rob Glazer would form a company called Progressive Networks. It was formed to create alternate distribution channels for political content. They soon shifted their business plan and became real networks. Now, if you were traversing the information superhighway during the 1990s, you likely used their RealPlayer software. It was originally an audio streaming platform called RealAudio and began broadcasting in 1995. The fourth version of the software, released in 1997, added RealVideo. Now, of course, the quality of the streams were pretty low, given the need to compress the audio and video in order to accommodate the much slower internet speeds. But the stage was set for the streaming services that have become so integral in so many of our lives. But that would be years away. If you wanted to watch the best audio and video quality media on your TV, the DVD was your best bet. The internet wasn't quite there yet. But what if there was a way to leverage one to assist the other? That was the idea, driving two men, Mark Randolph and Reed Hastings. In 1997, they started Netflix. In today's busy world, Going to the video store is a hassle. With Netflix, you just make a list of the movies you want to see and you'll get your first DVDs in about one business day. Keep them as long as you want without late fees. Return one in this prepaid envelope and they'll automatically send you another movie from your list. My lady, we are the romance movie from Netflix. We hope our presence will be to your liking. There's a movie waiting for you at home, Netflix. All the DVDs you want, starting at only $9.99 a month, no late fees. It was a deceptively simple idea, mail-order DVD rentals. Users would browse DVD titles on Netflix website, put in an order, and Netflix would mail them to your door. When you were finished watching them, you would simply mail them back. No rewinding, no late fees, no hassle. Rentals cost around $4 each, plus a $2 postage charge. Now, a couple of years later, Netflix switched to a subscriber-based model. With this model, users could keep the DVDs for as long as they liked, but could only rent a new movie after returning their current one. After establishing Netflix as a viable company, owners Randolph and Hastings were ready to sell their company to another entity. Amazon offered what seemed like a paltry $14 million to buy Netflix, which was refused. Video rental giant Blockbuster, was given the chance to buy Netflix for $50 million, but the offer was laughed at by Blockbuster's CEO. Who's laughing now? By 2005, Netflix had a library of over 35,000 DVD titles and was shipping a million DVDs a day. Now, it took some time for that business model to turn a profit. As the new millennium came, the DVD player overtook the VCR in popularity, and Netflix's mail-order business took off. Ten years after the company began its mail-order service, 2007, it shipped out its one-billionth DVD to a customer in Texas. That same year, Netflix began its streaming service, data speeds and internet bandwidth had just become robust enough to handle streaming audio and video in sufficient quality to be viable. Their first concept, however, didn't quite work out. The Netflix box was a set-top box where customers could download movies to the unit overnight in order to watch them later on their televisions. The new box was ready to be launched. And just before it was to be released, the project was scrapped. The reason? YouTube. The success of the video sharing site proved that streaming video directly to consumers via their computer screens was the best way to get the largest number of viewers. So whatever became of that Netflix box? Well, it was spun off into its own separate company. You may have heard of it. It's called Roku. Starting with only 1,000 titles in 2007, the new Netflix streaming service was rolled out. In only two years, subscriptions for the streaming service overtook DVD rentals. This gave Netflix significant leverage in dealing with their movie TV and studio partners in order to get their content they were spending hundreds of millions of dollars on films and television shows to bulk up their library. This ultimately led to what is called the Netflix effect, where movies and TV shows are given new leases on life because of the streaming service. The first real example of the Netflix effect was a little show called Breaking Bad. My name is Walter White. There are going to be some things that you'll come to learn about me. No matter how it may look, I only had you in my heart. You understood what I've just said to you. Yes. Lung cancer. Inoperable. It's just, you've got mustard. Chemistry is the study of change. How was your day? I this! It's fine. You want to cook crystal, Matt? You know the business, and I know the chemistry. We got new players in town. Now they possess an extremely high skill set. You are not how I remember you from class. I mean, like, not at all. Thinking Albuquerque just might have, have a new king. <laughs> Nobody moves crystal in the south but me! Get a little excitement in your life. Something. Run, Mr. White, run! You want to make some cash for your people before you check out. That's why you're doing all this. People sometimes do things for their families. Yeah, Mr. White. Yes, yeah, science. We're gonna make a lot of money together. After the show's third season, cable network AMC was considering canceling the show. It might be hard to believe now, but the show's ratings were not where AMC wanted them to be. But after Breaking Bad's first seasons were being offered on Netflix, the audience more than doubled. That translated into bigger ratings for new episodes airing on AMC. Netflix gave the struggling show the boost it needed to get its final two seasons. That's the Netflix effect. But success breeds competition, and after seeing Netflix's incredible success, some movie and television production companies wanted to be in charge of distributing their own content on their own terms. That led to studios withholding their new releases from Netflix in favor of their own means of distribution. Netflix had a problem. A lack of new and recent releases meant they had to rely on older, less current content. So, what's a streaming service to do? Well, you make your own content, of course. Netflix began searching for and investing in new original movies and TV shows to secure their dominance in the streaming media landscape. Their first few original series gained a lot of attention. One reason? All the episodes were released at the same time. This had never been done. Viewers could watch the episodes at their own pace instead of having to wait every week for a new one. This practice ushered in the era of binge-watching, or viewing an entire season of a show in one sitting, more or less. Binge-watching quickly entered the lexicon and was selected as 2015's Word of the Year by the Collins English Dictionary. With early shows like Hemlock Grove, Orange is the New Black, and House of Cards, Netflix became the first must-have streaming service. Not merely satisfied with just producing television shows, Netflix is also a major player in motion pictures. There have been over 500 feature films produced by Netflix since 2014. The company has developed a reputation for spending insane amounts of money for original programming while, at the same time, taking a hands-off approach when it comes to creative control. This makes for an incredibly attractive environment for content creators. Creators like the Duffer Brothers, who came to Netflix with an idea for a show that paid homage to 1980s horror movies. Stranger Things about a tight-knit group of 80s kids facing off against multiple science-based and supernatural evils was Netflix's first mega hit. Its latest season, season three, had nearly 600 million viewers. In recent years, Netflix received a considerable subscriber boost with an unexpected cause, the COVID-19 pandemic. The company added more than 36 million subscribers in 2020 due to the global lockdown and passed 200 million subscribers worldwide. However, the good news for Netflix didn't last long. The pandemic may have boosted subscriptions, but it also led to the stoppage of new TV and movie production. That meant little new programming in the first half of 2021 new subscriptions stalled. On top of that, Netflix is also facing stiff competition from new services like Disney+, Plus, Paramount+, and NBC's Peacock, as well as Apple TV+, and Hulu. So what does the future hold for Netflix? Well, according to the service, the future is gaming. Last November, Netflix Games was rolled out to mobile platforms. In hopes of adding additional value to its subscription service, Netflix now has several games that can be downloaded and played on Android and iOS devices. These games are ad-free with no additional fees. You just have to be a Netflix subscriber to play them. And Netflix isn't slowing down when it comes to providing original content to its patrons in 2022. These include hits like Ozark, The Witcher, The Crown, The Umbrella Academy, Squid Game, Bridgerton, and the long-awaited return of Stranger Things. With a slate like that, plus countless other shows and movies, it seems like Netflix is poised for a stellar 2022. So, clear your schedule. Thanks for listening. If this is the first time you've heard this podcast, check out our past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss a single one. And we want to hear from you. Drop us a line at thedeepdivepodcast at gmail.com or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter feeds. You can find links to those on our website, thedeepdivepodcast.com. All clips used in the Deep Dive microcast are meant for educational purposes only and not to infringe on existing copyrights. The Deep Dive Lounge theme was arranged and performed by Robert Acorn, based on the original composition by Ryan Blaney. The Deep Dive Microcast is a production of Automaton Studios.